Am I good? 2 Samuel chapter number 15. 2 Samuel chapter, chapter number 15. We'll be there in just a little bit. And uh, church, I want to thank you for the opportunity to come and preach. Thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for your friendliness. Uh, you know, whenever you, you come from South Louisiana to California, you don't know what California is like, what California people are like. You know, you hear all these stories about folks from California. But when I got here, I found out they're all true. Uh, <laughs> your church has a reputation of being friendly, and uh, that's a, that was a blessing. That's a blessing. I, I, I too, want to echo what has been said. The music has been outstanding. You folks that work in the music, thank you for the, the pianists, the, uh, the guys singing. It was a blessing, fellas. It will, truly was a blessing. Brought back some memories, but it truly was a blessing to see you guys sing. The solos, the choir, tremendous, tremendous. Thank you so much for the effort. And I know what it's like. I've spent my life until the last five, six years. I still have choir practice, but I've, I've been involved with uh, choir heavily. Um, when I was growing up at the church that we were at, they built, the church, they built a new church building. It was this style, you know, three... three groups of pews, but, the, but it was wider, and the choir extended from one side of the auditorium to the other side of the auditorium. My dad's the song leader. He's got to fill up the choir every week. So the adult choir was in the middle. The teen choir was over on this side, and the junior choir was over on this side every Sunday. And so I started choir practice whenever I'm seven, eight years old. So you folks think about coming to choir practice. I know what it's like. I've been doing it since I was, you know, other kids were outside playing, but I couldn't get out because my dad was a song leader. So, uh, <laughs> but it was a good experience. Uh, I appreciate you folks because I know what goes in. What I'm saying is I know what goes into a good choir number, a good choir special. Thank you folks for being faithful there. Thank you for the great room, the guest room, the basket. Um, if, uh, if they weren't having meals around here, I would have enough food over there that I could just, uh, I could just eat. And I'm trying, I'm trying to get rid of all of it, y'all. I'm trying to do my best. <laughs> because my wife won't let me eat some of that stuff, and I'm just, I'm just eating it. So don't tell her that uh, I had plenty of Diet Cokes and plenty of Diet Dr. Peppers uh, for this week. Thank you so much for that. And uh, I really appreciate your pastor. And Miss Ray, and I want you folks to know, uh, you have jewels. You have jewels. Some of the, the folks that I respect very highly, as much as anybody else in the ministry, Brother Mike. And, uh, you know, not every pastor is writing books. Not every pastor is going across the country and across the world. And uh, you, have, you have a special thing here. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Thank God every day. Thank God every day for your pastor, your pastor's wife, pastor's family. What a blessing. Well, we're in 2 Samuel. Did I say 2 Samuel or 1 Samuel? Yes. 2 Samuel, chapter number 15. 2 Samuel, chapter number 15. I really wanted to bring a message that I think would be a blessing to you. The Lord confirmed that yesterday or Friday. I'm not sure which, which service it was, but the Lord confirmed it. This was not my first choice. 
Uh, my first choice was one. I thought, man, this is going to be great. This will really be a blessing. And I started looking at it, and I, I looked at, at, the, at the reference, and I remember that, and I remember the theme, and I'm looking at the first page of my notes, and I opened, and all the illustrations were about Miss Verna when she was in the hospital. I'm thinking, okay, they've already heard all of this. <laughs> they know it better than I do. So, uh, but it's a great, it was a great message for our folks. But um, here it is. We're in 2 Samuel, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 15. This is uh, a situation where David's in a tough spot. David's the king, but here we're going to read in just a moment that Absalom, his son, is back and he's trying to take over. David has to flee. Uh, And all of this is because of what happened back in chapter 11. Adultery with Bathsheba, murdered her husband, and from that point forward, Chapter 11, chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16. David is just reaping and reaping and reaping and reaping. And sometimes, you know, when we sin and there's consequences that last for a long time, we get discouraged. We don't know how to handle it. But I want us to see from this passage something that I had not seen until we went through this number of number of months ago. God's encouraging David. God is encouraging David. And I want us to look at it. I want us to look at it tonight and see the encouragement that in the midst of his storm, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the trial that he caused himself, when he's reaping consequences, God still shows up and gives him a blessing. And I want us to see if we can glean from this so that whenever some of us may be going through difficulty tonight, and we know it's self-inflicted, And we wonder, does God really care? I want you to see from this passage that God cares. God cares. The name, the title of the message tonight, Disciplined. Disciplined, but not deserted. Disciplined by God, but God's not going to leave you. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you'd bless these thoughts. Lord, thank you for good attention from this good church. Pray that you continue to bless the ministry here. Lord, we're going to thank you for everything that you choose to do in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at chapter 15. We won't read every verse, but we're going to read quite a bit of it. Chapter 15, the first 12 verses, the first 12 verses really show the evidence of God's punishment on David. It is, the, it is what's going on there uh, because of what happened in chapter 11. And this is another, another, uh, another reaping, another reaping in the first 12 verses. But then from verse 13 down to verse number 37, we see here God's presence in David's life. And so what I saw from this is you look at the verses, you got 12 verses on the discipline, on the punishment, on the uh, chastisement. But then two-thirds of the chapter is about Jesus encouraging him, God encouraging him through his life and sending folks and, and things happening. So we want to look at that. We want to look at that discipline, but not deserted. Look at verse number one. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses And 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man had a controversy, came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy masters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, Oh, that I were made judge in the land. 
that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand, took him, and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. That really sums it up right there. Absalom stole the hearts of these folks. Can you imagine how David's feeling? The guilt, the shame, the loss of trust, the loss of respect, and now consequences that go on and on and on. God's faithful to his word. God is just. God is just. God loves justice. God is just. But he's also gracious. So we, we, we look at this passage here. And I want us to understand that David's going through a difficult time. It's, it's Absalom. Uh, Absalom rebelling. This is the beginning of his rebellion. Trying to take the throne. Um, and it's all in, in confirmation. It's all in fulfillment. Look, turn back a page or two. Look in 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel 12, verse number 10. This is when the prophet Nathan confronts David. And this is what he tells him in verse number 10. We'll pick up there. He says, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me. And has taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. And I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbors. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. All of this is beginning to take place. All of this is beginning to take place. And we think, man, why did, why did, uh, why did the Lord do all of this? Why does the Lord put all of this? I mean, look at. Go back to chapter 15. Look down at verse number 13. There came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise. And let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. From this point then, that's what David's doing. David is fleeing. I mean, this is the consequence. Absalom's trying to take over. David's fleeing the city. The chapter could end right there. But as David's fleeing, God sends three men to him to show him in these last 25 verses. To show him, to show the folks who are reading this for the first time, <laughs> and to show us that even as we experience chastisement for our sins, God is still with us. He's still with us. I think about the, folk, the first folks that are reading this. Bible scholars say that the books of First and Second Samuel, in our Bible, First and Second Samuel, were written 
quite possibly by Ezra. Some, I believe some of the first part was written by Samuel, but, but of course Samuel died, and so Ezra's finishing this. Ezra's writing the rest of this. This was when he was in Babylonian captivity. This was after they were already taken captive. These folks were suffering. The northern kingdom that we talked about, that Jonah was warning them about, the Assyrians, 50 years later the Assyrians came and overthrew Jerusalem and, 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 and all of that area. Over, not Jerusalem, but all of, that, all of the northern kingdom. They overthrew that, and then after that, then the, the, the Babylonians came and overthrew the Assyrians. They took these folks captive. These folks are now in Babylon. They're suffering. <laughs> They're suffering the consequences of their sin. They're suffering the consequences. And they're the first ones to read it. And so God puts these verses in here to help them and to help us. So let's look at it. So David, David's here, he says, we've got to go. We've got to go. Let's, let's pick up the story. Look at verse number. Look at verse number 16. It says, And the king went forth and all his household after him. And the king left ten women which were concubines to keep the house. The king went forth and all the people after him and tarried in a place that was afar off. And all his servants passed on beside him. All the Cherethites and the Pelethites and the Gittites, 600 men which came after him from Gath, passed on before the king. And so he's got all these folks that are coming, all these folks. He takes off and says, we've got to go. And a lot of folks said, David, we're going with you. And so they're taking off and David just kind of stands and watches. And here comes all of these folks passing by. And I imagine it warms his heart to know that he's, all of these folks are staying with him. But look at, look at verse number 19. Then the king said to Ittai the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I this day make thee go up and down with us, seeing I go whither I may? Return thou. Take back thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. So here's Ittai. Ittai's a Gittite. Philistine. He, he's, a, he's a mercenary soldier. He's come to join in with David, and he just got there the day before. And he's following these guys out there. And David says, Itai, what are you doing? What are you doing? I don't even know you. You don't even know me. What are you doing here? Yeah, hey, just go on home. Just go on home. It'll be okay. You don't have to go. We don't know what's going to happen. Look at his response in verse number 21. And Itai answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my Lord the king liveth, Surely in what place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. David said to Ittai, go and pass over. Ittai the Gittite passed over, and all his men, all the little ones that were with him, all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed over. The king also himself passed over the brook Kidron, and all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. He said, come on, buddy, let's go. Come on, buddy, let's go. How does God, how does God remind us that he hasn't deserted us he gives us a friend who'll pick us up and encourage us he sends a friend along you know here's this guy here's this guy that really he doesn't he has no connection with David quite the opposite of Absalom Absalom had fled and now he gets to come back home, and now he's trying to take over. Absalom had all the blessings of the father. He should have been the one that was thankful. Ittai didn't even know him, but God sent Ittai David's way to encourage him. Hey, has somebody ever encouraged you that from just totally unexpected area? 
totally unexpected place. We were, um, oh, several years ago, we, we had a flood come through the area, and a lot of us lost a lot of stuff, and, and uh, folks, were, folks were helping. I'm not calling anybody, y'all. I'm not, I'm, I've got, hang on here. I had it up, but it's gone now. We had a um, we had a flood, and 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 about a year later, the man who's uh, was the pastor of the church after Brother Buchanan left. Okay, so I'm I'm in Wichita Falls. I'm working with Brother Buchanan. Brother Buchanan moves to Louisiana, and uh, and the new pastor that comes in, Brother Bryant. Well, goodness gracious, Brother Bryant comes in, and. Uh, we worked together, and at the beginning, it was a little, it was a little dicey, but we grew to love one another. But, uh, but then I moved to Louisiana and really hadn't seen him. The last time I had seen him, you know, when my mom passed away, Brother Bryant did the funeral because she really didn't have anybody else that she was close to at that time as far as pastors. And so he came and did the funeral, so I saw him then. Haven't talked to him in 40 years other than at the funeral, and then it wasn't very much. We're going through a difficult time at church, a difficult time. Going through a transition, I don't know heads or tails what's going on, and uh, going through a difficult time, and I get a check in the mail for 100 bucks from Brother Bryant. And I'm thinking, what is this about? And he had just heard a year later that we had flooded. Well, we were back in our house by then, <laughs> but he, he had just heard, and so he sent 100 bucks for the rebuild, and it's like the Lord was saying, I got your back. I know what's happening in your life. Here's just a little sugar stick. Here's just a little encouragement. I wish I could tell you the, the heartbreak that was going on. But I just want you to know that it was, it was pretty serious. Two months ago, Brother, Brother Ray, two months, two months ago, I got this text. And it's a picture. And this person said, I found something from high school when Dr. Carl Hatch came to speak. <laughs> and it's a, it's a paper. It's wadded up, but it's a picture of this paper, and it says, my testimony. Dr. Hatch came. This teenage guy got saved. And just out of the blue, he found this paper at a difficult time. You know, some of, those, some of those times, you folks don't know what it's like. Usually the devil jumps on a preacher on a Monday morning, <laughs> at least this preacher, jumps on a preacher on Monday morning and says, you know, that was a waste. You, you know, <laughs> nothing happened. You, 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 you wasted your time. The Lord did some things, but you were a mighty failure. <laughs> Sometimes the devil does that to us. And this guy sent this. It's Tom Jones. He said, and I'll always love Central Baptist Christian School and Church because he got saved there. Encouraging things, just little things like that. What a blessing. What a blessing. Listen, when God does something like that for you, don't forget it. I've still got those pictures. I'm not throwing those away. I've got them on my phone. I've got a picture of the check. I've got a picture of the note there. I, when I'm going through and flipping through the photos trying to find the grandkids, uh, I come across those. Oh, my. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. Hey, listen, let me encourage you about this. Look for opportunities to be an idiot. Look for an opportunity to encourage somebody. Uh, Proverbs 25, 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. 
You know, you never know what a word of encouragement is going to do for somebody. You never know. Hey, listen, nobody is encouraged because you thought wonderful thoughts about them. Nobody's encouraged because you thought your preacher's doing a good job or the conference. Nobody's encouraged by you thinking that. It's only when you say it. It's only when you text it. It's when you send that thank you note. It's when you send that encouragement. You know, sometimes we need to get out of our, our, our selfish world and look out there and see that there's other folks that, uh, that need, some, need some help, that need some encouragement. Do you remember Miss Dot Seymour? Miss Dot Seymour, elderly lady in our church, and she's, she was in and out. She was at the church in the earliest days of the church. And then, for whatever reason, I don't know, but she kind of got out of church for a while. She got back in church. And she would just write a note. Her ministry was writing notes to people. And she just, she, she write notes. Everybody in the church got a note from Miss Dot at some point. You know, she sent out two or three a week. That's just what she did. She was uh, kind of captured in her, in her daughter's house. And uh, that's what she did until she went, her, until she lost her vision so that she couldn't do it anymore. But everybody was encouraged by, by that. Hey, so, so God gives David a loyal friend to encourage him. Here's the next thing. Let's look at verse number 24. Verse 24. And lo, Zadok also, and the Levites were with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. They set down the ark of God, and Abiathar went up until all the people had done passing out of the city. And the king said unto Zadok, carry back the ark of God into the city. <laughs> if I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he'll bring me again. Show me both it and his habitation. But if, he's, if he thus say, I have no delight in thee, behold, here am I. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. A couple of things with these verses right here. Zadok the priest. Zadok the priest is, is obviously on David's side because when Absalom tries to take over, Zadok goes and they grab the Ark of the Covenant because he says, this guy's not the king. God's not in his life. We're going to take the Ark of the Covenant. Well, David had already had some experience with the Ark of the Covenant being out of place, being where it wasn't. You remember when Uzzah died and David was trying to get the Ark back when they lost it during Saul's reign. And, and so he said, no, 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 no. Zadok, go ahead and take that back. You need to take that furniture back. You know, if God's going to bless, it's not going to be well because we've got his furniture. It's because we have his favor. And so he's saying, take that, take that back. But, you know, God gave him something else. God gave him something else. It says uh, there that he says, you know, if, if God has no delight, here, here I am. It's like, I'm okay. I'm okay with this. If God has no delight there in verse number 26... He says, I have no delight. If God says, I have no delight in thee, behold, here am I. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. He was accepting what God was doing. He said, it's okay. It's okay. You know, sometimes we get to the point that uh, we think, well, you know, I just can't do anything right. I just can't do anything right. And David was past that point because at this point God had given him peace. God had given him some wisdom here. Uh, he said, I know I deserve this discipline. It's God's grace, even if he kills me. And uh, he realized he was, it was out of his control. It was out of his control. Have you been in a situation that's, that, that you just can't control? There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing you can do except turn it over to the Lord. You know, going through the COVID thing, that's one of the things, you know, he got diagnosed with, got diagnosed with COVID. 
I'm thinking, okay, God, is this it? You know, felt pretty, felt pretty crummy for a few days, but uh, it wasn't as serious as a lot of other folks. But, you know, you, you have that, and it's like, okay, God, whatever. Whatever. I'm okay. I'm okay with whatever you want to do. Now, some other folks were, were praying that I would go ahead and go to heaven. Other folks were praying that uh, we, would, we would stick around a little while longer. But, you know, if you can accept what God's doing in your life, if you can accept his plan, if you can accept his sovereignty, and you can have peace in the midst of the storm, that's a gift. That's a gift from God. To have faith that you know that what he's doing is the best for you. You know, we're not, we're not built to be able to handle trying to answer the question, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to us is whatever the Lord wants to happen to us. Yeah, that's God's sovereignty. Um, he gives David the wisdom. So the number two, God, he, God gave David peace and wisdom to act. Peace and wisdom to act. So, uh, so Zadok, he sends him back, but he, but he has this thought. Verse number 27, the king said also unto Zadok, the priest, art not thou a seer? Return into the city in peace. And your two sons with you, Ahimeaz thy son, and Jonathan the son of Abiathar. See, I will tarry in the plain of the wilderness until there come word from you to certify me. He said, look, you're, go on back. You just kind of see what's going on there with Absalom and, and his group. And, and you let me know what's happening. God gave him wisdom. David accepted what God was doing. He accepted where God's discipline was. He accepted that. He had peace with it. But he just didn't sit back and say, Kesara, Sara, whatever will be, will be. It's like we were talking yesterday, man. He jumped. He jumped. He said, hey, I'm going to trust God, but I'm going to do something. Zadok, get back in there. Be the spy for me. Be the spy for me. Then there's one other guy here, Ahithophel. Look at the, look at the next verse there. Um, I tell you what, let's go to verse number 31. We'll skip some of that. Verse number 31. And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Now, uh, who's Ahithophel? Ahithophel's a counselor. A lot more about this guy, but just for tonight, he's the counselor. He's the advisor. I mean, he's the top man on the totem pole. He is the, the chief advisor for the king. And uh, he knew if David... David knew that if Ahithophel goes and joins in with the enemy, with Absalom at that time, then it's going to be bad news because this guy's pretty intelligent. And so David prays and says, Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And then verse 32, and it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount where he worshiped God, behold, who shot the archite? came to meet him with his coat rent and earth upon his head. Now, I don't know what to think about that, but here comes Hushai, and his, court, his coat's torn, and he's got dirt all over him. And uh, David had just prayed, said, Oh, God, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. He gets to the top of the mountain. He gets to the top of the mountain, and there's Hushai. And in David's mind, God answered my prayer. What? God answered my prayer. I mean, it was like instantaneous. You, David prays, he walks a little further, and there's Hushai. And so look what he tells Hushai. 
verse number verse number 33 unto whom David said if thou passest on with me then thou shalt be a burden unto me but if thou return to the city and say to Absalom I will be thy servant O king as I've been thy father's servant hitherto so will I now be thy servant then mayest thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahithophel and hast thou not therewith Zadok and Abiathar the priest therefore it shall be that what thing soever thou shalt hear out of the king's house, thou shalt tell it to Zadok and Abiathar the priest. Behold, they have there with them their two sons, Ahimeaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them you shall send unto me everything that you can hear. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. And so that's exactly what, what David needed. What David needed. He needed somebody to, to just be a spy. And he said, look, Zadok's there. Zadok's boys are there. Abiathar's boys are there. You guys be the spies. You, you see if you can turn the council of Ahithophel. You see if you can give Absalom better, better advice or advice that would be beneficial. The amazing thing to me about that was that God answered his prayer so quickly. God answered his prayer so quickly. Second, First Chronicles 27.33 says Ahithophel was the king's counselor. So, uh, and Hushai was the king's companion. So those guys knew each other. So there was some relationship there. And Hushai is going to have an opportunity to thwart the counsel of Ahithophel, to do, do business with, uh, with, uh, with Absalom. And you'll see that as you read through the next chapters, but we're not going to cover that tonight. I read a story a number of months ago. I'd never heard of this guy. His name was Don McClure. He's a missionary to Ethiopia back in the, uh, in the 1950s. Medical missionary, not that he planned to be a medical missionary, but it just turned out that way. And uh, one evening, there was, uh, there was some folks by river, by boat, coming up to his hut, the place where he lived there, and they're hollering for the missionary. And he goes out there, and it's almost dark, and he can just barely see, but there's a, there's a young lady with these women, and she is... Uh, uh, you can tell she's, she's having a difficult time. There's blood all over the boat. And uh, he gets closer and he sees that this young, this young girl has, uh, um, you know, she's given birth. And the ladies tell him it was yesterday that the baby was stillborn. But uh, the, the placenta and the umbilical cord had not detached. And so the, the girl was losing blood. She was weak. She couldn't stand. They brought her to the missionary hoping he could do something. And as I said, he was a medical missionary, but he really wasn't trained. That, that they brought him for those kinds of things. So he, he's going to reach down and take her to his hut and see what he could do. And he said, later on, he said, I had no idea what I was going to do. But he reached down to pick her up. And as he picked her up, she screamed and grabbed a hold of him. And as she's screaming, the, the ladies that brought her said, it's out, it's out. And Don McClure wrote that, uh, that uh, in, the, in the darkness, he couldn't see, but as he picked her up, he stepped on the umbilical cord, and when he raised her up, it pulled it out. And the, the girl was able to recover and survive. And here's what he said. He said, who would have guessed that God's providence would come through a clumsy foot? Who would have guessed that it would have been that way? You know, I, I think sometimes when we pray prayers and we, we ask God to answer our prayers, sometimes the answers come in ways that we, have, we had no clue. 
We had no clue that God was going to answer the prayer that way. But he answers the prayer. I think if you did inventory on your prayer life, you could probably find some surprising ways that God answers your prayers. Here it is. If we're suffering consequences, if we're suffering consequences for our choices, going through some difficulty of our own making, don't quit on God. Keep on praying. Keep on asking. Keep on depending on him. And then write it down. Keep track of it. Have some stories to tell. Don't miss those clumsy foot moments. It's in those difficult times when, when God says to us, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. He just answers a prayer here. He sends a blessing here. You get an encouragement here. Uh, he says, I'm still with you. I'm still with you. Well, these things apparently made a big impression on David. I want you to go to Psalm 3. Psalm chapter number 3, because this is the psalm that David wrote during this experience. Psalm chapter number 3. Our choir have sung this. We've sung this at Smite. Lord... How are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I awaked. For the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. David's saying, hey, I was going up to the top of the hill. <laughs> I just found out that my counselor had turned on me, so I just prayed, said, God, do something, do something. And when I got to the top of the hill, there was Hushai. There was Hushai, rugged looking. His clothes were ripped. He had dirt on his head. But I knew that God had heard me because I knew what Hushai could do. Listen, God's punishment in our life, God's punishment does not nullify God's presence. So here's the warning. Here's the warning. Number one, don't let sin control your life. When sin controls your life, the consequences of your life may go on for a long time. Men, we heard that yesterday. We heard that yesterday. The consequences may go on for a very long time. David's still got to endure a whole lot. He's still got to endure a whole lot of things. The devil wants to tell us, hey, you can sin. Do what feels good in the moment. Folks will forget. Folks will forgive. I mean, the Christians, you know. They'll forgive. He's going to trick you, young guys. He's going to trick you into thinking that, hey, after a couple of years, it'll be over. You may suffer some consequences, but, but it'll be over. It's no big deal. And, you know, that, that might be true. That might be true. But, you know, sometimes those consequences are lifelong because of a poor decision. A poor decision. So don't mess around with sin. Don't think you can get away with it. Well, my parents did. Did they? How many memories do your parents have that they're not going to tell you? How many thoughts are they going to have in their heart that, oh, man, I wish I'd never done that? 
This can also be an encouragement to us, and that is that God's not finished with you yet. God's not finished. I mean, you know, there, there, are, there are many folks, if you could rewind your life, and look, we talked about the Bartlett. This morning you saw my four siblings. They all went to Bible college. I didn't. Does that tell you something? What was going on in my life at that time? I didn't want to go to Bible college. Sometimes we make a decision. Sometimes we make a mistake. And some folks are just constantly reminded. Constantly reminded. Listen, God's not done with you yet. Hopewell Baptist Church isn't done with you yet. God wants to use you. Consequences are going to come. You know, um, some of the consequences, heaven's going to be the only thing that uh, takes care of it. I was thinking... You know, I'm, I was thinking this afternoon, some folks make some poor decisions about relationships and they wind up marrying somebody and they find out after a very short time, this was not right. This was not right. They try to stick it out and children come along, but finally the big D word, well, here we are. For the rest of your children's lives, you got the consequences. You're dealing with it. You're dealing with it. You're dealing with it. But that's, you know, and, and, and if we're not careful, we just get tired of all of the conflict. And we're reminded constantly of the dumb decisions that we've made, the wrong choices that we've made. And David's going through this, but right here, God sends some encouragement. He sends a answered prayer. He sends a friend. He sends peace. And maybe some of us have a problem with our temper. And you said something. You said something hurtful to your wife, to your parents, to your children, to your boss. And, you know, it's not the same. If you could take it back, you would take it back. But you can't. You can't take back words. It's been said. It's been done. You can't take it back. And you think, why, why did I say that? Why did I have to win that argument? Why did I just have to have the last word? And now you've regretted it for years and years and years. And, uh, you know, they say, well, I've forgiven you. They've forgiven, but they can't forget it, and you can't forget it. You can't, you, you, you might hate that. But I want you to know that God has forgiven. He's faithful and just. When you confess our sin, he's still with you. You still got to deal with the consequences, but God is still with you. You can have peace knowing that God's in control. May you just send some folks and with their words, with their actions, to remind you that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And that's the message that I wanted to bring to Hopewell Baptist Church because I know that Central Baptist Church needs that message. I figure Hopewell Baptist Church needs that message. Let's heads bowed and eyes closed.